Welcome to Easter. I'm so glad that you're with us, and I love Easter. I really do. And as a, as a pastor, can I tell you that Easter is, is like one of my uh, favorite times to preach, but it's also one of the most challenging times to preach. Let me just tell you this. It's like one of the easiest and the hardest weekends of the year for me. And here's why it's, it's one of the easiest, because the story is so good, and the message and the news is such great news that it's easy to preach, you know? When people need hope, I got a message for you about hope because of Jesus, not because of me. And so in one sense, it's kind of the easiest week, but can I also tell you, it's also one of the hardest and most challenging weekends for me as a preacher. Here's why. Because you know the end of the story. There's no suspense whatsoever. You know, I'd love to build it. I'd be like, oh, there's this guy a couple thousand years ago and he claimed something and then they arrested him and, and uh, they trumped up all these charges on him, but they weren't true, but he just gave in, let him do it anyways, and they beat him and then they put him on a cross, but you're never gonna guess what happened on the third day. You'd be all like, what? See, here's the thing. Even if you've not been around church, my guess is you know what this day represents for so many of us and I'll just ruin it if you are really, you're not sure. I'll tell you. Jesus came back from the grave. He is alive. We celebrate that today. That's, and so there's no tension, and there's no suspense, and you already know what happens, and, and so it's always challenging, and I feel this every year. By the way, this is my 20th time preaching on Easter Sunday, 20 times. Here's what that means for those of you that um, we've been talking about this in our church but our first ever kind of public experience that we ever had started Easter Sunday of 2003. And so here's what that means. Next weekend, we are going to throw a huge birthday bash here at our church for our 20th anniversary as a church. You gotta come. It's gonna be incredible. We're gonna have so many special things. You're gonna get to, if you've been around our church, uh, you're gonna get to kind of relive some of the old, there's old footage, it's great. Man, I I'm so grateful that we did not have like cameras and audio stuff to really record my first message 20 years ago. It would be dreadful, I'm sorry. But um, it's gonna be an amazing, amazing day. You ought to come back next week. And it, here's what I say. Even if you're somebody who really only comes to church on Easter, can I just encourage you, come back next week. Just try it, just try it. Come back next week. And I, and I understand there's some of you that like this is the one time when you really, you really like to go to church, but Come back, it's gonna be so good next weekend. You know, it reminds me, there was this, um, there was this guy one time, I remember in the story, there was this guy that he was, every time he'd be at church, um, all the pastor ever wanted to preach on was the resurrection. That's all he preached on over and over. Every time he was there, it was like, oh, the same story over and over. And so finally, kind of annoyed, he got up the courage to uh, approach the pastor at the end, okay? And so at the end of one of them, he was there, and he was like, hey, pastor, I just got a quick question for you. I loved it, it was great, great, great. He said, have you ever thought about preaching on anything else but the resurrection? Because, I mean, there's so many good themes in the book. I mean, have you ever thought about it? And the pastor just looked at him, paused for a moment, and he said, well, have you ever thought about going to church any time other than Easter? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's just an old preacher joke. All right. Just, but here's what I want you to know. If, if you're someone that's like, man, I go to church on Easter and that's it, I'm so glad that you're here. And you're actually in for a great treat today because I've got a message that is not the typical Easter message. In fact, I'm not gonna preach from the typical Easter text that so many of us are used to. Now, I will say I believe that there is a resurrection theme in this, so don't freak out, okay, for my traditionalists. 
But, but if you are someone who comes every once in a while, then I, I just pray that today's message just really resonates deeply in your soul. And I, I'd actually like, if I could, just to read a few words that Jesus spoke when he was alive, found in John chapter 5. If you've got a Bible and you bring it with you to church, you can grab it. We're going to be in John 5. And um, I, if you were here the last few weeks, we actually did a series really all from the book of John. And it's one of my favorite gospel accounts of Jesus. And in John chapter 5, Jesus said some very interesting words. Kind of confusing, I'll be honest with you. But I think they're fascinating words. And starting in verse 24, here's what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they've already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself. And he has granted that same life-giving power to his son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the son of man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I know this is not the typical Easter text that you're used to hearing, but I hope you see there's a resurrection message or theme in it. What I love about this is it feels like Jesus is giving a master class on time and eternity. Now, I just wanna admit something. I have been lately fascinated, kind of obsessed with the concept of time and eternity. Now, I don't know if you ever get obsessed with ideas and concepts like that, like I do. Maybe I'm just weird. But I've been obsessed with, I mean, I've been reading all kinds of books, and you, you should know, it's like, I know, we think time's so simple, it's like we got clocks, and it just ticks every second, so, but no, time is actually far more, it's far deeper than that, it's, it's a very elusive concept when you think about it, really, I mean, you, you think about time, that time is, is something that you can spend, and you can waste, but you can't save it, you can't store it. Time is one of those unique things that we experience where there's times where you want to speed it up. Oh, I just wish I could get to my 16th birthday. I wish I could get to my 21st. I wish I... And then there are times, we all know this, where you want to slow it down, right, moms and dads? There are times where you look at your kids and you're like, oh, just stay right there. Don't grow up, right? And then there's other times when you're looking at them and say, dear God, speed this up. Get them out of my house. Time is fascinating to me. Uh, I heard one person say it like this. So he said that in eternity, in the presence of a beautiful girl is like two seconds. Feels like two seconds, right? But two seconds with your hand on a hot stove feels like an eternity. You ever notice that? It's, it's like, it's so fascinating the way, the way time is and the way we experience it. When I was younger, I used to think I had all the time in the world. I just want to say to all of you that are maybe your teens, maybe your early 20s, I remember what that was like. You, you just, you feel like, gosh, I got the whole world in front of me. I, I'm going to live forever. I, I've, I've got so many years of, I don't even want to think about retirement. No, 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 no. I just, man, I got so much time. I know because I felt just like that. And then listen, one day I blinked and all of a sudden my kids were moving out of the house. 
And I was like, whoa, what just happened? One day you'll blink and you'll look in the mirror and go, where did that happen? Where did the, where did the gray come from? Because time just keeps moving. And I, I used to feel like when I was younger, I had all the time in the world. And as I'm getting older, I feel like someone's speeding up the cosmic clock. I'm like, slow it down. What's going on? And here's the thing about time that's so fascinating. When we think about time, we think of it in terms of, of past and present and future. But do you know that when it comes to time, there's really only now? Like, like re- think about this. I mean, you might remember the past. That's great. We can remember some of the memories. And, and you might even dream about the future. But can I tell you something? You only ever exist in now. In fact, I'll say something might blow your mind. You don't exist in the future. You're like, whoa, whoa, what do you mean? No, I, I think I'm going to exist in the future. No, you don't exist in the future. You might think about it, but all that you think about that future, when you experience it, it's not the future, it's now. I say, this time is mind-blowing. I'm just like, I can't understand this. It's crazy, right? And here's the thing. When Jesus speaks about this thing called eternal life, I feel like he's appealing to something that we all long for. When, When he talks about eternity, when he talks about eternal life, that I think he's speaking to something in every soul that long story. Listen, we all want this idea of eternal life, whatever it is. I, I promise you that. None of us want to die. And as Jesus talks about it, I, I really believe that something resonates. There's a frequency that resonates in every soul that we want to live. We, we want to live forever. We, we love the idea of heaven. We love the idea of something beyond In fact, I think that's one of the reasons why maybe many of us love the Easter story. Because the Easter, there's something about the Easter story and the resurrection that speaks to this in our soul that we long for something more. Here's what I know, regardless of what you believe, your faith background, no faith, right? doesn't matter. You might say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the hereafter. I, I don't believe in the afterlife. That's fine. My guess is you want to, even if you can't get there. Because none of us like the idea of dying. In fact, I think all of us, there's something inside of us that longs for a hope for heaven. Whatever heaven is, whatever it might be, we we all long for this final destination of perfection, a utopian future. This we all do. By the way, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what faith background or non-faith. We all kind of want to believe this. In fact, I was thinking about how all of the religions of the world all seem to point to a final destination. You ever thought about that? I mean, you can think of uh, Judaism, same thing. One day in heaven with God. You think about Islam, one day in heaven with Allah. You think about Buddhists, one day we'll make our way to enlightenment, final state of perfection. Hindus, the same thing, that one day finally reach a state, a moment where you're connected to Brahman, the God. Listen, every faith, every religion, why? Because it's inside of us as humans. That we're all longing for, desiring, and here's why I think we all feel this. Because we understand that there's something missing from this life. I I don't care how great your life is. I don't care how wonderful it is right now. Here's something we all recognize. And that is that there's something missing from this life. It's just, it could be good. But why is it that we always dream of it being better? Why is it that we always kind of carry maybe with us a hope for tomorrow? 
wishing for something better beyond. It's almost like, I think life is sometimes feels to me like a puzzle, you know, and as we grow up, we're trying to figure out this puzzle. We're trying to figure out who we are and what makes us happy. And we just get all these different pieces and this big puzzle. And maybe if we have kids and maybe if I get married and maybe if I get in this career, maybe if I make this much and we're putting all these pieces. But it's almost like when you're putting together like a 500-piece puzzle and you get to the very last piece and you stick it in, you realize there's two missing. You're like, oh, dang, what happened? You're looking under the table. What happened? See, that's what I think life feels like for many of us. And, and if you're young, you'll think, I'll, I'll find it eventually. But if I could say something to everybody that's a little more experienced, you know what I'm talking about, where you've spent your whole life trying to find it, but you still aren't fully satisfied. It makes me think of this guy that lived um, about 3,000 years ago. He's an ancient guy. You can read about him in the Old Testament, in the Jewish scriptures. His name was Solomon. And Solomon was an ancient king of Israel who lived about 1,000 B.C., and here, here's what is often said about this king, Solomon. He's often uh, remarked as being the wealthiest and the wisest man to ever live. That's what a lot of people say about Solomon. Solomon was so rich. I mean, the guy had more money than anybody that we even know today on earth. In fact, most people have calculated all of his wealth that is that is uh, written down for us, and if you would translate it to today's currency, he would be wealthier than anybody by a mile. In fact, most people would say that he would make Elon Musk look homeless. Okay, that's how wealthy this guy was. And, and it wasn't just money. He had fame. He had power. He was a king. He, he, he had prestige. I mean, everybody in the known world knew about Solomon, and they also, here's what they knew about him. They knew his wisdom. See, Solomon had a gift from God. He was given this intellect. He was given a mind to understand things that most of us would never understand. He's credited for writing most of the Proverbs. I mean, this guy was brilliant beyond brilliant. In fact, he was so brilliant that it seems like when you read about his life, he, he seems like he's miserable. I, I don't know if any of you ever known. you ever known anybody that is so smart? I mean, they're like off the charts intelligent. They're so brilliant. They're so smart that they feel, it feels like they're tortured. Have you ever known anybody like that? They're so good. See, this is why I'm glad that's not my problem. Because sometimes I think it's just better to be dumb and happy, amen? Anybody with me? It's like, I, man, to be that smart, that must stink. Because you're just tortured. It's kind of like Einstein. Einstein, I've been studying Einstein's life. I was reading a book about his life. I think he's kind of the same way. He was so brilliant that he was often tortured in his own mind. That's Solomon. He's so smart and, and he's successful and he's amassed everything you could ever imagine built an empire and yet as he gets toward the end of his life you get a sense that something's missing how do you know because you, you you could um read what i like to call his final final memoir it's this little book in the old testament called ecclesiastes and in it you you hear solomon kind of staring down his fatality the finality of his life as he's getting older. And he's had everything you can imagine. He can have any relationship he wanted, and he did. He, I mean, he built businesses, and he had fields and owned cattle more than anybody else. He had gold. I mean, this guy was so wealthy, he had everything. But as he's looking at his life, and he's watching the few grains of sand in the hourglass of his life starting to drip out, 
he writes about being miserable. Now, this is crazy. He had everything you could ever want, and he's miserable, and he's staring down his end. And here's the thing that bothers him the most. No matter all the stuff he built and everything he did, he said nothing can stop time and nothing stops death. That's the future for all of us. And he's depressed over it. In fact, I'd like to just read a few of the words that he said in Ecclesiastes 3. You don't have to turn there if you want to, but listen to him. Again, this is a guy who had everything. And here's how he describes life. He says, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set what in the human heart? Can we all say that out loud? He has set, come on, say it again with me. He has all set, he's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He said, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. He said that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Now here's a guy who who has more than you and I could ever imagine in this life. And yet he talks about being miserable. He talks about chasing everything and he can never experience it. This is crazy. And here's what he speaks to. He says, here's this thing, this burden. He says, in all of us, we long for eternity. It's almost like this cruel trick that God has done that he's actually put this desire for eternity and wanting to live forever in every human heart. That's why we all dream about the future. That's why we all want there to be a future. We want there to be an afterlife. But at the same time, there's this drive in us for eternity, but we're also never satisfied in life. And he said, here's the burden. We want it, but we have no idea how to get it. God's put it in there. We want it. But when it comes to God, we can't even fathom and understand from beginning to end. We're confused. We don't even know how to get it. And so here's Solomon, who is... He's puzzled about this puzzle called life. And he can't figure it out. And he says, I've spent my whole life trying to be happy. And here's how he describes it. He says, it was all meaningless. It's like chasing after the wind. I mean, and this, is, this, is, this is the way he, he views life. And there's this internal tension in Solomon that I don't know if you feel it, because I feel it sometimes. When you're younger, you... You don't feel it as much. But as you start to get a little older, let me tell you, you feel this internal tension where, where you can put so much energy into this life, but for some reason, something still feels like it's missing. And I never, never quite have the human experience that I think I should. And I, I find that sometimes we can live with one or two extremes. We can, we can maybe live like Solomon. Here's Solomon. I'm going to live for today. I'm going to live for now. I'm going to build the perfect life. I'm going to chase after everything. And Solomon, he spent his whole life doing that. And he ended up with no hope or future of beyond. He spent all of his life thinking about now, and he had no hope for tomorrow. Or the other extreme. You know what the other extreme is? The other extreme is actually what I hear from a lot of Christians, which is they, they live for a future hope. When I die, I'll get to be with God but they actually in this life are miserable and they're not really living. 
They're just surviving. I don't know why, but for some reason, my whole life growing up around church environment, around a bunch of Christians, I feel like every time I hear us talking about eternity, every time we talk about it, we talk about the afterlife. Ah, oh, you know, life's it's just, you know, endure, get through. You know, life's terrible, it sucks, it's awful. But you know what? One day, man, when I die, I get to be with God, get to be, it's gonna be so good. I get to go to heaven, it's gonna be awesome. And I wonder if, if many of us are living with a destination orientation. I know I do. That, that's sometimes me. Like, here's a great example. Here's how you can know how you're wired, right? Road trips. I don't know if any of you like road trips, right? When it comes to a road trip, are you about the drive or are you about the destination? How many of you are about the drive? You love road trips. Put me in a car for 14 hours today and we'll just eat Twizzlers and have fun the whole way. Yeah, that's my wife. She loves the drive. How many of you are like, no, I'm about the destination. Just get me there. Yeah. Can I just tell you, I am destination driven. Okay, I'm not about the drive, I'm about the end. And so I'm the guy who gets in the car and I punch it up on Apple Maps or whatever and I see how long it says and I'm like, we'll beat that. But the only guy, listen, I tell my family, the only way we can beat that is no drinks. That we have a no drinks rule in the car. We can't be stopping to pee every two hours. You can't do this to me because we gotta get there. I, I'm so wired that way. I think there's an internal drive to arrive inside of me. And I, by the way, can I just say, that can serve you really serve you well when you're building a business, when you're a visionary, when you're one, like Solomon, like I wanna build and mass and create and achieve. That, that drive, that never satisfied, that can be a great thing, but, but if you approach all of life that way, can I just tell you, it's misery. It's misery, and this is my, this is my plight, this is what I do. Can I just tell you, um, there, there's this like internal anxiety in me to always arrive that I drive fast, can I just admit that? I drive fast. Any fast drivers in the house? I drive fast, yeah. I drive fast. I walk fast. Fast walkers with me? Any fast walkers? I'm a fast walker. You ask my wife. Now, my wife's a fast walker, but she can't even keep up. And, and it drives her a little bit crazy. We'll be walking you know, out of East, and, and I'm like two paces ahead of her all the time. And she's like, come on, will you come walk next to me? And I'm like, honey, I'm just your bodyguard trying to protect you from anybody coming. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm, I just, I don't know what's in me, but I'm always going fast. I just gotta get there. I'm, I'm a fast driver. I'm a fast walker. I'm a fast eater. I'm a fast eater. Any fast eaters? Raise your hand if you're a fast eater. Okay, okay, a few of you. I'm a fast eater. Like, we get food to sit down at the restaurant and I'm done like that, and she still has over half her meal, so I'm like, come on, you can speed this up, you know? And we'll go out to eat. This has been a tension in our marriage. We'll go out to eat, and you know, you get your food, and I'll eat first, and I'll wait for her to get done, and then she gets done, and as soon as she finishes the last bite and puts her fork down, I'm like, check, please. Can we go? Come on, can we process, can we go? And my wife's like, why are, why are, we, are we in a rush? Where do we need to go? I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't want to say, I seriously get anxious just sitting there. I know, I'm messed up. I, it was about five years ago, I felt like God spoke to me and he said, Tim, there's a bug in your operating system. You, you are living your whole life 
always looking ahead, dreaming that tomorrow's gonna be better. And if you're not careful, you're gonna miss the beauty of the one life that I gave you to live right here. I wanna say this for every parent because listen to me, as, as, I, as my kids have gotten older, like there's all those times where I just, I just wanted them to grow up and get a little bit easier where they could take care of themselves and I just wanted them to be able to do their own score and I just wanted to, and, and the next thing you know, they're, they're leaving your house and you wish you could have stopped time. And I, I, I felt like I was like, don't miss the gift of what I've given you in front of you, Tim. And if we're not careful, even as Christ followers, we can spend our whole life, we can think all of eternity is, is all about then, and we can wish away the beauty of the life that God has given us now. I wonder if when it comes to eternity, if we've missed something. I wonder if that's why Jesus talked about it. I wonder if that's why Jesus came. See, one of the reasons that Jesus came, I think not only to die for us and to show us the way to the Father, but I, but I think Jesus came to show us that we can experience life today, here. I think about what Jesus said in John 10, 10. Jesus said, you know, there's a thief that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your life today. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. But here's the thing. All my life, I've been around so many Christ followers in the church, and I think whenever we hear that line, he's come that we might have life and life to the full, you know what we immediately think? Oh, Jesus came so that we could one day have abundant life and eternity in heaven someplace. Can I ask you a question? What if we've got this whole concept and idea of eternity wrong? I, I know, I don't mean to screw with your theology on Easter weekend, I apologize, but why is it that this is what I've always pictured about eternity, you know? Life's terrible, I'm gonna die, and then here's the hope is that when I die, that somehow I get to like walk through some kind of magical coat closet into the special new realm that maybe looks a little bit like Avatar's world, and there's all these creatures that are kind of part human, part animal, and maybe I'll run into some big lion, and maybe that's Jesus. Eternity sounds awesome, doesn't it? Heaven, can't wait for it. I wonder if, if we've missed something about eternity because here's what's interesting. When Jesus came, he, he came and wasn't really ever just dangling a carrot in front of us going, hey, one day you believe in me, you can go into this magical world and it will be amazing. That's not what he did. Jesus was always, here's what he would say. He would say, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. He, he would say, the kingdom of, of heaven is among you. That's what you say. In, in fact, I think about the Lord's Prayer. You know, the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, right? How does it go? I'm just trying to think about it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. I need more of your grace until I can get out of this place. <laughs> Amen. Wait a minute. Did I get that wrong? That's my prayer. Sorry. That wasn't, that's not the Lord's Prayer. Here's a little different. What is that? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your will be done on as it is in. See, Jesus was always, okay, I, I wanna mess with your mind a little bit today if I can. Just allow me, just allow me a little bit. Jesus was always talking about this idea of really bringing heaven here. 
no, 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 but one day we're going to go to heaven. I understand. But Jesus was always talking. Can I ask you when it comes to this idea of eternity, why are we so convinced that eternal life begins after we die? That's what I'm asking. I'm just, I'm just pushing back a little today because Jesus did. What, what, let me read a couple of those verses I read to you earlier from John 5 because I wonder if now maybe we have a little context because it's fascinating to me. Jesus said this in verse 24, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have what? Can you say those two words out loud with me? They have already passed from death into life. Look at verse 25. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here what? No, wait a minute. Hold on. Jesus, is it coming or is it here now? Yep. See, this is why I said Jesus is teaching a master class on time and eternity that we cannot understand. Indeed, the time is coming, oh, and it's here now. That what? That when the dead hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, says, those who listen will what? Live. Can I ask you a question? Is it possible just asking is it possible that when Jesus talks about the dead who hear the voice of the son of God will live is it possible that he's talking about people who might still be breathing but they're not actually living because here's what I know a few verses later Jesus said it again but it was different he said those in their graves who hear the voice of the son of God will be raised but I wonder if there are a lot of people today going through life and they might be breathing, but they're not really living. They, they might be on this earth and their heart might be beating, but they are not experiencing full life. They are experiencing some version of this broken, messed up world, but it is not the full life that Jesus said, I came to bring. And I wonder when Jesus said this, this word, he said, those who believe, listen to the message, believe God sent me, will have, he says, have eternal life. Not will have eternal life. In fact, here's what he said. He said, they have passed over from death to life. And, and, and a little help if we kind of dive into the Greek. Can I just dive into the Greek for just a moment? That word already passed, it's one word, it's a verb. And, and in the Greek, it's this word metabino. Metabino. Can we all say that together out loud? One, two, three. Metabino. All right, let's teach you a little Greek this Easter. Metabino in the Greek is this unique tense. It's called the perfect tense. What's the perfect tense? The perfect tense is this. It means that an action happens and then continues for the rest of time. It's not just something happened once, but it's something happened and changed something for all the rest of time. Metabino, have passed already from death into life. Here's another place that we see this in the Easter story. When Jesus was nailed to a cross, and after hours of excruciating pain and suffering, Jesus pushed up to get enough breath, and he uttered one important word. In our language, we see it as three. One important word, he said, to telestai. To telestai is a verb. In the English Bible, it says, it is finished. Did you know that's the perfect tense of what Jesus was saying? I came and died, and I am the one-time sacrifice for all in the future. That means not just them back then, but for you and me today. And you don't need a system of sacrifices and rituals because I came to do it for you. 
And so maybe, just maybe, when, when Jesus is talking about eternal life, and he says those who believe have already passed. You know that word metabino means that you depart and pass from one space to another, from one land to another. He said you already have crossed over from death into life. See, I, I think, why is it that we often think eternity happens after I die? Jesus said, no, eternal life does not have to begin after you die. Eternal life begins the moment by faith you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Something happens inside of you in that moment for the rest of eternity. You've already stepped into it, so what if, what if? What if in that moment, while still breathing, you could experience a full life now. I just, I just don't understand why sometimes some of the Christians I've met are the most hopeful and miserable people I've ever met. How, how can, well, life's hard. I understand that life's hard, but your whole perspective changes the moment you realize that death isn't the end. The whole perspective changes when you realize that I can experience a full life today. In fact, I want to leave you with this verse, Romans 8, verse 11. I love this verse. If you need an Easter verse, let me give you one today. Romans 8, 11 in the message says, It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Oh, I take that. Bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you as he does, as surely he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as alive as Christ. Could it be that resurrection isn't just for Jesus, but it's also for you and me? Could it be that the reason why Jesus emptied a tomb was so that you and I could have a full life today? Can I say that again? Because of the empty tomb, you can have a full life now. Not one day. Not when you finally make it through this life. Not when you die. Not when you go into afterlife. You can begin eternal life today. Can I just say, that doesn't mean that there won't be pain. I think sometimes that's what people think. Well, I give my life to Jesus, and that means I won't deal with trouble. I won't deal with sickness. I don't deal with loss and pain. No, you will, because we're still living on a broken world. A broken planet. We are. This place is still messed up, but can I just tell you something? I actually think that we can begin to experience heaven now. Not then, now. For a time indeed is coming. Oh, and it's here now. That you can experience heaven now. What does that mean to experience heaven now? That means that you can experience the fullness of joy even in moments of great grief. It means that you can experience the full peace inside of you when you go through storms, when you feel anxiety in this world around you. You can go, no, I've got peace because he's with me. And oh, by the way, death is not the end. I'm going to keep going for eternity. See, there's something about having full confidence that you are in a, a clear position with God. Can I tell you one of the most freeing things ever is knowing that he's forgiven you of all your sins in the past, present, and future? Can I tell you how incredible it is to know that he is, he's good with me? Can I tell you how much of a weight has come off of me that I don't live in shame, I don't live with guilt all the time, I get to live with purpose, I get to live with joy, I get to live filled up, I get to feel the overflow of God's presence in my life all the time. Can I tell you it's the greatest way to live? I don't know why anybody would live any other way. That's what the empty tomb is for. 
You know, what's, you know what's a tragedy? A tragedy is when you have to spend your entire life filled with worry and fear about tomorrow. A tragedy is when you would spend all of your days wishing and hoping that maybe there's something better beyond, but with no confidence, no hope, really, of what that is. If you need that, can I just tell you, today, you look at the empty tomb. Because of the empty tomb, we have full life now. We can live in heaven now. Yes, there'll be a day when Jesus comes back and it's gonna change everything in our planet. When Jesus comes back, he's gonna wipe every tear from our eyes. He's gonna get rid of sorrow and grief and pain and death and he's gonna make things new. There's gonna be something still even better to look forward, but I'm telling you, there is life now, today, and it's found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. It's found in Jesus who is alive today forevermore, amen. Amen. Can we have a moment of prayer? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Again, maybe you're not a faith person. I'm just asking, what would it look like for you just in this moment? Can you just think about what we've been talking about? Because I believe that the Spirit of God is trying to meet you right now. Father, I, I'm so grateful for this message, this good news that Jesus he proved to us once and for all that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the way to the Father. He is the path to eternal life. Listen, I don't, I don't know, maybe some of you, you would be here today and you'd say, I, I consider myself a follower of Jesus. But the reality of your life is that it's just miserable. Maybe today you need reminded that there is fullness in the presence of Jesus. Maybe what you need to do is to make a commitment to say, I'm gonna get into the presence of Jesus every day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna connect with him. I wanna experience life with purpose and love and all these things. And, but I wonder if maybe there's some of you here watching this online, you're in this room today. And the whole time today, there is something that is resonating with you on the inside that you recognize that you're not satisfied in this life. I don't care how many good things happen, that there's always something missing. And it might be because God has set eternity in your heart. But he's not only done that, but he's also given you the way. He's shown you the way, and his name is Jesus. See, I, I don't know that so much about a place that we think about, but maybe the person of Jesus, that he came to bring heaven to you. And today, can I just tell you, you can step cross that line of eternity. That's what we call it that. You can step from death into life. You can pass, already passed. You can experience that by faith receiving Jesus as your Savior. If that's you today, if that's your heart's desire, I want to lead you in just a simple prayer. And listen, I, I want to, I'll lead you. I want you to be authentic with God in the way you talk to him in this moment. I want to say this. I want to include not just those maybe who've never done that, but there's maybe many of you that there was a time when you felt the presence of God and you walked with God and you believed in him. And, and to be honest, you kind of started to drift away and you've kind of gone your own direction and you maybe, like Solomon, have pursued everything you could find in this life. But today, today, being honest, you realize it's still coming up short. Can I just tell you, if you will turn and take one step home to the Father, he's not mad, he's not angry. 
He's that father with his arms open wide waiting to receive you back today. And I, I don't know if maybe that's your desire. If it is, you want to recommit your life to Jesus in this moment as I lead you in prayer. I want to invite you in your way to say something like this. You just say today, God, I, I give my life to you. I believe that you sent Jesus for me. And that he died for my sin. And so I, I ask you to forgive me. Today I come home to you. Today I, I trust in Jesus as my Savior, the one I put my faith in today. And today I receive eternal life. Today I make the decision to step over, to cross over from death into life. I am hearing the voice of God today and I am responding. Jesus, today you have my life. I give you my life. Listen, as we're praying, I don't know how many of you may have prayed that with me, but I want to ask you to do me one more favor. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and I'd love for you just to slip your hand up and hold it up real high. And I want you just to keep it in the air. I want to see you. I want to connect with you for a moment. I want to celebrate what God has done in your life. And so I don't want you to shy away from this moment. It's just real simple, but on the count of three, if you prayed that with me, I want you to shoot your hand up all across this room. Online, you can connect, you can text in, let us know. That was my prayer today on the count of three, if that's you. One, two, three. Put your hand up if that's you. Lift your hand up. Come on, I want to recognize. I see all of you guys over there, down here, back over there. Praise God for you. I want to just look at you. Praise God for you. I see you too right over there, right back over here, sir. All of you guys on the back row over there. I just want to recognize. I see you there, man. Anybody else? I want to include you in. Up there. Come on. Come on, I see you all back there in the back row. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Can I just tell you something? I see you right there, dear. Can I tell you something? This is the, the beginning. Can I tell you something? You are not the same person when you walked in. Something has happened. A perfect something has happened inside of you. You have crossed over into eternal life. You will never be the same. Come on, church. Let's celebrate one more time. Woo. Thanks so much for tuning in to this message. I hope that it encouraged you and inspired your faith. If God is doing something in your life, would you take a moment and let us know? We wanna connect with you and we wanna be able to pray for you. All you have to do is shoot us an email to hello at the x.church or you can always send us a DM on one of our social media platforms. And if you know somebody that would also be encouraged by this very message, why not take a moment and just share it with them right now? And as always, I want to say thank you to every single person who so generously financially supports this ministry so we can continue to get messages like these out to people all over the world. We believe God is building something special and you're a significant part of it. Until next time, have a great day.